Hello. It's good to be home. I love you. I think of you often. I pray for you. And <clears throat> shouldn't have got us started down that path, preacher. Thank you, Brother Josh, for sh sharing your pulpit. Thank you for uh, the invitation to be back here and uh, for the opportunity to be here this evening. I don't know the next time that we'll be here, but we're grateful for this time. Miss Didi, thank you. Thank you for that song. Uh, thank you for the friendship through all the years. I was thinking about you and Brother Danny standing on the platform when Camp used to be back at the church property. And uh, when he said that you were going to sing, I just said in my heart, I hope she sings that song. And I, I'm glad that you sang that song. I, I thought of uh, something, uh, I have not it's another message, but this is a poem Miss Didi wrote. And it's uh, Brother Willard was preaching somewhere, Brother Willard Thomas. Uh, you remember Brother Willard Thomas used to come to, to camp here. And uh, Brother Willard was preaching somewhere. Miss Dee heard him preach a message, and she wrote this poem. And this is uh, much how I feel. So this is from a message by Willard Thomas, and this is a poem by Dee Dee Hall, and it's called Just a Stick Man. I love you, preacher. I drew your picture, said the little girl. And she went to play. I glimpsed at the paper. It was only a stick man. So I threw it away. Why did you do that? The Lord said to me. It's the best she could do. Her love gift to thee. Neither talents impress me nor man's greatest art. What gives me pleasure is love from the heart. Oh, when I think of the skill of God's hand creating the stars, the seas, the dry land, this is the Willard, spinner of rainbows and counter of sand, that such a designer is mindful of man. And now in my office a picture does hang, for I picked up her picture and I had it framed. It reminds me that my works, though stick man may be, if offered in love are accepted by thee. Thank you, Miss Dee. That's helped me out a lot of times. Brother Chris and I were headed to the prison one night and he showed me that in his Bible and I copied that out of Brother Chris's Bible and uh, thank you for that. Preacher, where's Brother Aguiar? Brother Aguiar, thank you. Brother Aguiar is a holy man. Uh, Brother Aguiar is a little bit intimidating, right? Anybody intimidated by Brother Aguiar? Come on, uh, come on, be honest. Three people, three people raised. <laughs> four. Miss Aguiar, are you intimidated by Brother Aguiar? No, she runs the show. I've been around him. <laughs> he said, all these years, he said, I'm building a round house. And I said, how do you build a round house? And so while we were on the road, we were actually at their church, and they were home, and so we went to the round house. And they live in a round house, and he's been chasing her, and he never catches her because there are no corners or something like that. He's a holy man. He's a helpful man. He is always looking for something to do. If you have something that's broken, give it to him. He can make it worse, and then he'll make it better. He has tools. He hides tools. There, he finds places for tools. Ask him. He has a tool for everything. Are you in a camper or a bus now? He's in a bus, but he has a motorcycle. You should see the two of them on their motorcycle going to Malden to Sonic and then coming back. You'll see them sometime.
But he has a tool for everything, and he knows how to fix everything. If it's a piece of wiring around here and it works, Brother Aguiar worked on it. If it doesn't work, I worked on it. That's how that goes. So thank you, Brother Aguiar, for all the help through the years. And I'll tell you what else Brother Aguiar is. He's a house-cleaning man. Uh, he'll, he'll make you think about some things in your life. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the preaching. And the, the only thing about going second is this. You're sitting there when that first preacher comes to the pulpit and you think, what's his text? <laughs> what's his text? Because I only have one message tonight. What's his text going to be? And when he said First Chronicles, I said, hallelujah, we're going to Luke 24. Would you go there with me, please? Luke chapter number 24. It's a blessing to be home. I heard that I might preach tonight, so I never went through the line, but I do want to eat something after the service, Miss Jeannie, all right? Because I know the food was good. You, you ladies work. You, you just go above and beyond making preparations. This looks good. Who, who did this? Brother Daniel, did you do this? Caleb. Caleb who? Caleb O'Neill. Caleb O'Neill, did you do this? It looks great. No, who did it? Not you. Jesus. All right. Jesus, you did a great job. You did a great job. Did this come from the bus barn? It did. So is the bus barn, you work, is that project going on? Kind of. This looks great. The other walls would look great with the rest of it. So you could have another bus barn. All right. It looks good. I, I noticed this the first thing when I came in. That looks really good. Are you glad to be at Camp Calvary? Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm blessed to be at Camp Calvary. Next year, I'll tune in and I'll watch. Camp Calvary. But my heart will be here. So know that. Know that. Luke 24, you're there. If you're there and you're able to stand, would you join me in standing? Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter 24. And beginning in verse number 44, Luke chapter 24, verse number 44, Jesus speaking. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon ye, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen.
Father is a privilege. Stand behind this pulpit. We would, we would call them heroes of the faith that have stood behind this sacred desk, this one in particular, for 51 years behind this desk and opened the Word of God. And Lord, tonight we are nothing without You. Lord, we come to this place needy. And we come tonight hungry. And so in the, the next few moments of time, would you do your eternal work in our heart? God, you know every person here. You know our, you know our very inner being. Everything about us. Lord, you can search out those secret places. Lord, as the preacher preached just a moment ago about what, what part of the house do we want you in? Lord, I, I open up the, the entryway and I welcome you there. May you come down the hallways where we travel. Lord, into the living room where we fellowship and into the kitchen where we eat and in that secret closet of prayer where we meet with you, Lord, in the deepest recesses of our soul, even beyond what we can understand, how we're able to fellowship with you. May there be nothing hidden. May there be nothing closed. May all be opened before you. And God, you would convict us and you would challenge us and you would change us as we submit ourselves to you. Wash us in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are nothing apart from him. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We are nothing apart from him. And may all said and done bring glory and honor to you, to your Son, to your cause. May eternity be affected here in this hour. We'll thank you and praise you for that that you do. Thanks for this great opportunity. What a privilege to stand here before these friends. Use us for Christ's sake. And in his name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The personal invitations and commands of the Lord Jesus Christ as recorded in the Gospels are many. We have the message of ministry given in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 where the Lord says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. The same passage of scripture in Matthew chapter number 7 we find the ministry motive. Then will I profess unto them I never knew you. Depart from me ye that work iniquity. 
What a great invitation to enter ye, the, the entrance into salvation, the entrance into eternal life. But what a tragic ending when one would reject the invitation, the conviction, the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God and hear these words, depart ye. So enter ye, the ministry message. Depart ye, the ministry motive. And then I come in Matthew chapter number 9, and I'll come back to Luke 24 in just a moment of time, just bear with me. Matthew chapter number 9, the Lord has His disciples, and He is about to commission them and, and send them out in chapter number 10. And He is surrounded by His disciples, and they encounter a multitude, and He sees the multitude, and He's moved with compassion, and He conveys the burden of His heart, the heart of God, toward the multitudes about Him. And He was moved with compassion on them. I remember a night that I stood behind this pulpit on the old platform at the church and I had a pictorial directory. I had not met you yet. It was Saturday night before I would preach at Calvary on Sunday in 2002. And there was a pictorial directory and I looked through that. And the Lord gave me this verse of Scripture. It was Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And God worked in my heart through that verse of Scripture to come here. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And the very next words that he says are these. He says, Pray ye. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. The, the might, if you will, of ministry. It comes not, the Lord, the first thing that He tells them when He sees the multitude is not go ye. He does give them that command, go ye. But before He ever tells them to go, He tells them to pray. Before they ever entered the place of ministry, they have entered into the place of fellowship with Him. As a matter of fact, in the very next chapter, verse number 1, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. Their power did not come from their going. Their power came from their coming to him. And they, and they walked with him, and they fellowship with him, and they drew nigh to him. And then in that, that, that very next chapter, in chapter number 10, he does tell them, he says, go ye, go ye. And then we come tonight in Luke chapter number 24, in verse number 49, where I left you, in verse number 49, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But notice what he tells them. He tells them this. He tells them, tarry ye. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The patience, the patience of tarrying. Like a child who might run ahead of a father, how often do I get out ahead of my father and I put myself in a place of danger? I, I, I get out ahead of him and, and my mind and my focus is so easily distracted. And I get turned aside to things that, that really don't matter for eternity. 
And I, I get out ahead of him because I wasn't patient to wait on him. As a child running into a crosswalk of a highway ahead of a parent, as an infant that might reach unwittingly into a lion's cage or a youth that might ramble into a den of vipers. I remember a few years ago the, uh, someone told a story about a family, a preacher down in Texas, and he had a son that got into a, a den of rattlesnakes and then as he was uh, taking care of that son, another son was behind him and he backed up and he ran over that son. He lost two sons in the same day. I can't even imagine the heartbreak of that, of that man. That was when I first became pastor here that I heard that story. Those kids, were, they were just being kids. They were just playing. And so, so we run and so we reach and so we ramble when we get ahead of God. When we go without Him, when we go on our own, when we're going of our own will, when we're doing it of our own heart and our own purposes in our work, do we get ahead of God? Impatience was Moses smiting the rock twice. It cost Moses his future. Impatience was Israel at Ai going to battle before they had dealt with sin. It cost Achan his life. Impatience was the ark of God upon a cart instead of upon the shoulders of the priests. It cost Uzzah his life. In our weakness do we get ahead of God. King Asa, when he was diseased in his feet, the Bible says that he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. Now, Brother Pete, if you're having a heart attack, the thing to do is to call 911. So good to see Brother Pete. I'm glad the Lord spared you and left you with us. There's still a reason for you to be around. Miss Sharon still has to-do list, not yet, undone, not yet finished. And Brother Dennis probably has a few things around the gin. King David said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Spurgeon to that text, he says, wait at his door with prayer. Wait at his foot with humility. Wait at his table with service. Wait at his window with expectancy. David says in Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. In our wars, do we get ahead of God? I'm talking about the patience of tarrying. King Saul, when faced with an innumerable army of Philistines, the Bible says that the men about him, they were in a strait. The people were hiding in caves and rocks and thickets and in pits. And instead of waiting on the prophet of God, instead of following after the commands of God, instead of following after the heart of God, he forced his way into a place that was not his. It was the work of the priesthood. He is the king, not the priest. And he forced his way into the work of the priesthood. He offered there a sacrifice, a work that was not his to do. And at that moment, God rejected him from being king over Israel. At that point, read your Bible. He got ahead of God. And he presumed to do something that was not his to do. 
King David encourages us to rest in the Lord, to wait in the Lord. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. Psalm 62 verses 1 and 5. From him cometh my salvation. My soul wait thou only upon God for my expectation is from him. The patience of tarrying. Impatience. Impatience is human strength over eternal power. Impatience is the mind of earthly ways over heavenly wisdom. And in other words, you can figure it out. You don't need the Lord's direction from Scripture. You got it covered. Maybe you're an expert in that field. Impatience is the work of a fallen will over a divine way. Impatience is the immediate over the eternal. I want it now. Impatience is flesh before the spirit. Impatience is self before others. Impatience is earth before heaven. Impatience is pride before humility. Impatience, when you boil it all down, is me before God. The patience of tarrying. You see, the dangers of getting out ahead of God, being ahead of God's timing. God has determined the bounds of our habitation. He has us here and now specifically. And he has a perfect place. And he has a perfect plan. And he has a perfect time for your life. He hasn't forgotten about you. Wherever you are and wherever your circumstances are, God knows exactly where you are. And if it was in the fullness of time that God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, if it was in the fullness of time that Jesus Christ came into the world after all those thousands of years of sin and humanity fallen and nature crying out for a redeemer, if it was in the fullness of time that Jesus Christ came, God knows exactly where you are and in the fullness of his time, he knows where to put you, he knows where to work in your life, he knows where to provide for you. But it's so easy to get out ahead of him. Impatience. He said, tarry ye. The dangers of impatience operating in the power of the flesh instead of in the power of the spirit. Doing that which is not ours to do. The dangers of impatience. To, to speak about tarrying. To clarify, when I speak about tarrying, when the Lord says tarry ye, it's not living in a place of delay. It's not living in a place of, of, of inaction. To, to tarry is that when God gives you a work to do, you do it. To, to delay is to disobey. If you know that there is a work to be done, if, you, if God puts someone on your heart to witness to, go witness to them. Pray about it, fast about it, go witness to them. If God has put a call in your life and you're waiting on the stars to align, you're waiting on everything to work out in your life, guess what? Circumstances of life will do all that they can to keep you from ever fulfilling the will of God. But when we have clear direction from God, we obey without delay. And so I, I, I say that, I preface this statement about this definition of tearing by saying that. I don't mean that when we tarry, we're sitting on the porch waiting on God with our hands out like this. To tarry is to stay. 
to abide, to continue, to lodge, to stay in a place of expectation, to wait on Him. When I, when I read that definition from Webster's, my mind immediately went to John chapter 15. And the Lord said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. So you get out ahead of God and you spin your wheels and you spend all of your money and all of your effort and all of your time, but nothing ever happens because you're out there by yourself. You got out ahead of God. The Lord told the disciples, it's recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse number 4, which is companion passage to where we read in Luke chapter 24, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. To tarry is not to live in an actionless state. But to tarry is to continue in the current state. This is what these men were doing when the Lord told them this. They were following Him. They were walking with Him. They were worshiping Him. Everywhere that He went, they went. They were diligent in their life. They were dedicated in their life. And He told them, fellas, you tarry. You tarry here at Jerusalem. You keep doing what we have been doing. You keep praying. You keep telling others about me. You keep working miracles. You keep doing everything that you have been doing. Continue in a current state until a change occurs. This is patience in practice. So the patience of tarrying. Let's consider something beyond the patience of tarrying. And back in verse number 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Let's consider the power of tearing, of waiting on Him. Have you ever been somewhere that the Lord was not? I know that He's omnipresent. There's nowhere that we can go. I, I, I understand that. I know that as a believer I have Him. He, he lives within. But, but I've been in some places where it was just a struggle of the flesh. It's like you're... you're you're fighting bees. And you, it's like you can't win. And no matter how much effort you put forth, and no, no matter how much planning or how much money you pour into it, it's just not happening. And you fight and you struggle, and, and we might call it a rat race. You ever, you ever find yourself that way in life? You're just clawing at it, trying to make it happen, and you never make any progress. Terry ye until you be endued with power from on high. The Lord appears to this gathering of disciples. Verse 35. And they told what things were done in the way and how He was known of them in breaking bread. And as they thus spake, verse 36, 
Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Brother Aguiar, I want to be where the Lord is. And I want the Lord to be where I am. Because there are some places in life that are unfriendly. There are some places in life that are unwelcoming. And there are some places in life where we are unwanted. And I don't want to be there by myself. I want Him to be there. And I want to be there with Him. Wherever there is. Whatever there looks like. But when you get to your there, whatever God has designed, whatever God has purposed, whatever God has prepared in your life, when you get to your there, to be there without Him, to be there on your own, spinning your wheels, clawing the wall, fighting the bees, with no fruit, no action, no production, just nothing. What a, what a miserable place. So the Lord, the Lord comes to where they were, verse number 35 and 36, and He speaks words of peace to them. They were affrighted. They were terrified and affrighted. Suppose that they had seen a, a spirit. And He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands, my feet, that it is I, myself, I I cannot quantify, I cannot put to words, I can't verbalize it or vocalize, I cannot explain to you what it is to be in a place where you need the Lord more than you need anything and you find His presence in that place, in that hour. When you are entirely depending on Him and you find Him to be true to His promise, and you find His presence in that moment and in that hour, and you know that you are not there alone. Whether that be on a stretcher in the back of an ambulance, whether that be in a tent in an unwelcoming city, whether that be in a pulpit with sneering faces, whether that be at a door where you're trying to tell them of Jesus Christ and they don't want you to be in that place and to know that you are not there alone. There is a peace. There is a peace in that place. Paul, Paul wrote of it. And the words that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write were these. He said, it's a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that passeth all understanding. So to their fear, he brings peace. To their troubles, he brings assurance. Behold my hands and my feet, it is I. Handle me and see. A spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. 
to their confusion, verses 44 and 45, he speaks scripture, words of remembrance, and he opens their understanding. And after they can understand, then he begins to reveal things to them. And this is the part of scripture that we open uh, and read tonight, verse 46. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. He has opened their understanding, and he, he tells them why he came. He's about to leave, but there was a reason that he came. There is a world to be reached by preaching. And he came because there was a price to be paid, and he's the only one that can make this, this payment and pay this price. He's the only one that can make this sacrifice. So there's a world to be reached by preaching. This is why he came. And there was a gospel to be preached and published among all the nations, verse 48. That's why he called them and involved them in his life. Because he's about to go back to heaven and it's all going to be on their shoulders. Do you realize what a responsibility that we have? The responsibility that we have is our generation of 8 billion people. That's the responsibility that we have. The responsibility that we have to be fathers and husbands. The responsibility that we have to be church members, to be Christians, to be holy and godly and separated and spirit-filled. These are responsibilities that are greater than our ability and our strength and our power. There's a gospel to be preached among the nations. But there is a promise that the Lord gives these men. In verse number 49, there's a promise that He gives to them that is still available for you and I. He says, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye until ye be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye until ye be endued with power upon high. When is the last time that you tarried in the place of prayer? When is the last time that you tarried in the Word of God? We get up and the first thing we do is unplug our phone and check out our social media and check our email and see what's going on in the news. I'm talking about tarrying with Him. The news will go on. The world will go on. Whether or not you check it. Whether or not you tune into it. It will go on. But there is something that is imperative in our life on a daily basis. And this is not just something for preachers or ministers or people that would stand behind a pulpit. This is for every child of God to fulfill our responsibility and our role and our place in the body. And that is, it is beyond our ability and it is beyond our power. We must have His power. And the only way to get this is to tarry with Him. to spend time with Him. It sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. Your Christian life should be a dialogue where you talk to Him in prayer. And He talks to you in His Word. You talk to Him in prayer. And He talks to you in His Word. 
And you ask of him direction. And he shows you in his word. And you ask of him for peace and for strength and for assurance. And he shows you. He gives it to you in his word. Is your Bible real to you? Is it just, just time, just filler in the morning? My mom and dad are going to ask me if I read my Bible. The preacher might ask me if I read my Bible or I have this, I have this checklist and so I want to I finish these chapters so I can check this box off. It must be something so much more than that. It doesn't have to be chapters a day. Some days it might be chapters. Some days it might be an entire book, but some days it might just be a word or two words or one phrase or one verse and the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God jumps off of that page and into your heart and it is exactly what you needed for that day. It's the answer to your question. It's the, it's the solution to your problem. I'm talking about waiting on Him. And spending time in His Word and spending time in that place of prayer. We preach about it so often. Pray and read your Bible. Pray and read your Bible. Pray and read your Bible. How can you walk with God without praying and reading your Bible? Tarry until you be endued with power from on high. The evangelizing of a lost world demanded more than willing men with a knowledge of the written word. Soundness of doctrine would be nothing unless the gospel were proclaimed with living power from a clean heart of vessels separated and dedicated and consecrated to the furtherance of the truth of what they had witnessed. Their eyes had seen, their ears had heard this man. They had seen his power. They had heard the authority with which he spake. And now he's leaving them and it's all on them now. Can you see the futility of their efforts alone or in their own strength? But if there was a power, if there was something that was beyond them, if there was something that was within them, if there was something that would strengthen them, there must be a power that comes from the Holy Spirit of God to guide, to enable, to strengthen our lives if our lives will ever make a difference. For the parent to make the connection of truth to the heart of the child, you ever feel like you're spinning, spinning your wheels with them? You tell them over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Parent must be filled with the power of God. It's a spirit-filled life that you need. Passing out gospel tracts. I, I don't always obey the voice of the Spirit. Sometimes I have to circle back around. Sometimes I even have to go back to a location where there was someone that I was supposed to witness to, but I was hasty, or I was afraid, or I was ashamed, or I was unprepared. I reached and, and there, was no, there was nothing there to give them. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that hour, and He gave me that opportunity, and I missed that opportunity. 
But if, if our lives will be a witness to the person of Jesus Christ, to the heart of the lost, to people who are blinded, who know not God, and who really don't want Him in their inner heart and being, there must be the power of God for a husband and a wife to be forgiving, forbearing, and long-suffering. For a preacher to have an impact beyond the worship service hour. For a teacher to impart truth that will be life-altering. If our children are to be trained, there must be the power of God. If disciples will be taught, there must be the power of God. If our ministries will be effective, there must be the power of God. From the office to the pulpit, from the Sunday school class to the elementary school, from the prayer room to the living room, from the altar to the assembly line, we must be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye until ye be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye until ye be endued with power from on high. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's still valid. We must have His power. It's the spirit of power in 2 Timothy 1.7. It's the unction of the Holy One in 1 John 2.20. It is the anointing of Him that abideth in you in 1 John 2.27. It is the one that comes and guides us into all truth in John 14. He is the comforter in John 16. This is the person and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. What if, what if Christ at the judgment seat when I stand or kneel or am prostrate on my face before Him at the judgment seat of Christ, what if He holds me accountable for everything that might have been accomplished, for the souls that might have been won, for the lives that might have been changed, for the, for the eternity that might have been affected? Had I lived a life that was filled with the Spirit, what if He holds me accountable for that? What about every day that I walked in the flesh and not in the Spirit? Tear ye until ye be endued with power from on high. Have we tarried? The prayer, the prayer of tarrying. First of all, I, I want to say that the disciples tarried in a place of obedience. He said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem. That's where he told them to tarry. Now, you and I don't live in Israel, and we're not tearing in Jerusalem. But you tarry in your Jerusalem. They tarried in the city of Jerusalem. That's what the Lord told them in verse 49 to verse 52. The Bible says, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They tarried in the place of obedience. If you're outside the place of obedience, if God has told you something to do and you're not, quit waiting. Get back to that place where he told you to be.
Then they tarried in the place of prayer. Would you look with me to the book of Acts chapter number 1. Hold your place in, in Luke 24, Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then returned they into Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. That's what we just read in verse 52 of Luke 24. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James, verse 14, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. They returned to Jerusalem in the place of obedience. And they returned to Jerusalem in the place of prayer. Verse we could, we could go on and on through the book of Acts and look at other verses where they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. And continually, daily, they continued with one accord breaking bread and praying. And they continued praying and they continued praying. The disciples continued in prayer. Go back with me, if you would, to Luke chapter number 3. Luke chapter number 3. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. The place of prayer. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, and notice these next two words, and what? And praying. The heaven opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon Him. Christ is God. I was not here, but I, I think you heard of that last night. That Christ is God. Manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, as a man in His humanity, operates, ministers, preaches, teaches in the power of the Holy Ghost of God. As he is praying, the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. The disciples in Acts chapter 1 are gathered into that upper room and they are praying in that place of patience. It's been 50 days. The Lord told them, tarry ye. And they're there gathered together and they are praying. These continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and they, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. 
it might be that we don't need the Holy Ghost because we're not really interested in the results of what happens because when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they began to be witnesses. And we really have other priorities in life other than stopping and telling somebody about Jesus. I have not always done so. Many times I have preached because it was time to preach. I've ministered because it was time to minister. I've served because it was in the schedule to serve at that moment. And I had not spent adequate time with God. Ere the day began today, did we spend time with Him, tearing for His leading? Ere the service began, did we spend time with God, tearing in His presence for His presence? Ere the opportunity came, did we spend time with God tearing for His power? Or did we rush headlong into the crosswalk of service, into the heat of battle, into the face of the enemy, to only face another day of failure, of weakness, of frustrated purposes? We never lose the indwelling of the Holy Ghost of God. We are sealed to the day of redemption, as Scripture promised. But we must be empowered time and again for service, for witness, for shining. We'll not take time to look there, but you can look in Acts 2 where the disciples are filled with the Holy Ghost of God. and You can look again in Acts chapter number 4 where the disciples are filled again. The human vessel is leaky. The human spirit, the will, our strength is leaky. Well, I remember this one time. You ever meet that guy? That one time? This one time I did this for the Lord. There's so much more opportunity for you as a child of God to be more than just a one time, this one time I led somebody to Christ. This one time God spoke to me in Scripture. This one time I was able to encourage someone. This one time, it's available for you more than one time. Tear ye until you be endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit fills what we yield to Him. Oswald Smith says, we allow Him to occupy the rooms of new birth, to guide and to comfort us. But have we given Him the keys to the whole house? The widow's oil, every vessel that they brought empty every empty vessel in the house every vessel that was empty God filled every empty vessel
It's not a matter of me getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's really just a matter of the Holy Spirit getting more of me. God is far more willing to give than we are to receive. God is far more willing to fill than we are to be empty. They said, if you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll read of a man named Savonarola. His biographer told of one time that he stood in a place with a group of people seated much like this. And he waited for five hours. For five, who would wait in this room tonight for five hours? When is the last time that we waited on anything for five hours? Maybe next day for an Amazon delivery. Maybe 30 minutes for a pizza. He waited for five hours before he ever opened the Word of God began to preach and this biographer wrote these words he said that he stood with his face shining and he illuminated the whole church where he was his preaching was a failure no longer it's prophet like fervor and inspiration woke an enthusiasm and admiration and wonder Savonarola at last had found his power, the power of God. Will we run ahead with our plans or will we tarry until the Spirit directs? Will we run ahead with our life, with our dreams, with our ambitions or will we tarry until we have his will and His fullness. How can our lives make any difference for eternity without Him? How can we know the will of God for our lives without the direction of the Spirit? How can, they, they say that four billion people have never one time heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Four billion Four billion. Alive in the world today have never one time heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Four billion. Does that do anything to your heart? How can we make a difference without... His power.
tarry ye until you be endued with power from on high. The hour is late more than, more than this. The hour is late. The labors are few. The fields are white. The master is calling. The need is great. The flames are real. The flesh will not do. Tarry ye until you be endued with power from on high. Our Father, that is the word you laid upon me for this hour.